Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. This is Paul Peluso. I'm the editor of Officer Magazine, and this is the Officer Roll Call Podcast. I'm joined uh, by our editorial director, Frank Borelli. How's it going, Frank? Good morning, Paul. It's going well. Great. Well, we're going to talk today about... um, uh, hands-on combat, and uh, specifically uh, Lindsay Berdeman's article in the August issue of uh, Officer Magazine entitled uh, "Get Off Me," and uh, basically, you know, he talks about how the fight is up close, that it's measured in milliseconds, and um, talks about some tactics around uh, that that training. So, yeah, if you, you know, want, if you want to talk about um, about that a little bit, Frank. Yeah, it's a it's it's a topic a lot of people don't like to discuss, and certainly society's not educated about um, when when an officer is is in an what I call an immediate contact uh, conflict. You know, we, we're having a fight with somebody, and it happens most often uh, either if we're attacked or once we tell somebody you're under arrest, um, and then we have to put our hands on them to handcuff them. And I was always taught. That's the most dangerous moment. When you touch them, they know right where you are. And if they want to fight, that's when it's going to happen. If it hasn't already started, that's that's because once they're in cuffs, the fights tend to be much more controlled and easier to control. Um, But that moment of contact, that immediacy of the guys decided he's not going peaceably. Um, And I think. And I don't know if Lindsay mentioned this. Uh, one of the biggest challenges is, you know, we can never assume intent. If somebody decides to resist arrest, they decide they want to turn around and fight us rather than going into handcuffs. We don't know if their intent is simple escape, you know, of, of evasion, avoid the arrest, or if their intent is uh, to kill us, take our take our gun. Um, kill us, kill other people with that same gun, or take other tools that we have available on our person. Um, and I guess the biggest thing I would remind everybody is every fight a police officer's in, there's a gun involved, at least one, because the police officer brings it to the fight. So um, it's it's a whole different world. It's a whole different mindset. And, and it's a, uh, like he says, it's, it's a, a situation measured in milliseconds and what your response is going to be to it and how you perceive everything going on. Yeah. And Frank, uh, Lindsay talks specifically about um, training for uh, this type of combat and how, you know, you have to train shooting at point blank range, but also specifically uh, practicing um, on duty gun grab uh, defense. How important is it uh, from your perspective to to practice that? Well, very, I mean, in general, law enforcement doesn't get enough training time. So, uh, and a lot of times when budgets are cut, that's the first thing that gets cut is training budget if there's anything extra in there. Um, But, you know, we all go through the academy and we get taught weapon retention and weapon takeaways. Uh, What he refers to as a gun grab, when you've got your weapon presented and somebody tries to take your gun, they reach out to grab the gun. Now in the military, it's amazingly easy to keep your gun because in the military, if you've got your gun out and, and, you know, use of that weapons authorized, somebody grabs your gun, you pull the trigger and you shoot them off the gun. We can't do that in law enforcement. Um, it, it can't be assumed. So, you know, we really need to practice 
number one, preventing panic. Uh, if you're not thinking straight, you're not acting straight, and then you're going to lose the fight. So panic really does get people hurt and killed badly, um, hurt badly and killed, I guess is how I should say that. Um, but we, we don't practice it, and we really should practice uh, weapon retention both in and out of the holster. And uh, in fact, in OVA, in our, in our virtual academy, Rich Nance and I did some um, videos about this and ways you can hang on to your weapon to, to, to your benefit. If I've got a gun in my hand and a bad guy's trying to take my gun, to my benefit is his focus on getting the gun. And he's not really thinking beyond that. He's thinking on getting the gun. And if I've practiced and I'm proficient and I'm skilled and I'm confident, then I'm not going to panic about the fact that he's trying to take my gun. I'm going to allow, I'm going to use his focus on taking that gun to figure out how I can best and quickest disable him to keep him from getting my gun. Um, so it, it, I can turn the tables on him if I properly train and if I properly practice. Too many of us don't. And um, the, the kind of play on that as well, uh, Frank, Lindsay talks about uh, the importance of the draw and the, the importance of a close quarters draw and how um, the, the grip, uh, most importantly, uh, come, comes into that. If you can talk about uh, some of the training that goes into uh, practicing your, your draw when it comes to close quarters uh, combat. Yeah, so a lot of agencies, when they go to, to the range, uh, they teach a four or five step presentation. So securing the weapon with a good grip, releasing whatever security mechanisms there are, clearing the holster, aligning the weapon with the target, and then presenting it fully so it's up into your sight alignment. People use different terms and different process, and everybody has their own stick, and that's cool. Long as you can get the gun cleanly out of the holster and present it to the target. Now, how far away the target is depends on whether you're going to extend the weapon or, as they used to say in the old days, shoot from the hip. You're going to tuck that weapon in close to your body, uh, aligned towards the target, uh, because they're within three to six feet <clears throat> and they're just too close for you to extend your weapon. That's inviting them to take it, so to speak. But you can practice, especially with a blue gun or an asp red gun. Uh, you can practice that draw and presentation in a safe environment uh, anywhere with an inert weapon that you can't put live ammunition in. You can do that watching TV. Um, you, you can do that. Uh, just in your basement. You can do that in your garage. You can do it with a, a fellow officer and, and both of you practicing. And that's the perfect way w with a proper training weapon. Um, that's the perfect time. You and your, your partner get together, you and a, a law enforcement friend get together, a military friend, whatever. And one of you practices the presentation. The other one's trying to practice takeaways. The gentleman or officer that's just practiced the presentation is practicing retention. You have to have it choreographed properly. In other words, you have to have your rules and you're not trying to kill each other and you're not trying to hurt each other. You're, you're slowly going through skills to reinforce them and then you accelerate as you go. But practicing that draw and that presentation is very important. It can be done anywhere with a proper inert weapon, like I said. And uh, again, it's something people don't usually do unless they're going to the range. And then they practice the presentation, the draw and the presentation simply to get the weapon on target. And he's absolutely right about the grip being the foremost concern. If you don't have a proper grip on your weapon, you can't hang on to it. You can't shoot it properly. And not only the grip, but uh, the, the movement that, that it's involved in uh, close quarters and uh, up, up close combat. Um, 
Lindsay talks about uh, the importance of forward movement, but then also the importance of practicing um, backward movement and the need to, you know, drag one's feet or take small steps. Can you talk a little bit about the, um, the movement involved? Yeah. So, I mean, we never know what the circumstances are going to be and we have to be able to um, move forwards towards a target or sometimes almost chase them depending on how fast they're moving, but we don't want to run with the gun in our hand, obviously we're backing up. The thing we need to avoid is crossing our feet. That's usually a bad thing. We end up tripping over ourselves, losing our balance or having just a poor platform to shoot from. Um, I was always taught, it sounds funny. It, it's almost a duck walk um, where you bend your knees and you can stomp and drag forward. So you step with your front foot and you drag your back foot and you maintain a stable shooting platform. And the gun almost stays in line. When we, when we walk, typically we move on the balls of our feet. So our bodies go up and down, which means your shoulders go up and down. So if you have your gun out and you're walking and you're trying to hold it on a target, the gun's going up and down, makes it hard. So if you lower your center of gravity, you can move forward and you can move backward, uh, but your hips stay in a straighter line, which means shoulders stay in a straighter line, gun stays in a straighter line. So you can move forwards and backwards and even sideways, obviously, any direction you want um, while keeping the weapon in a better alignment with the target, but you really have to be careful about your footing and how you move your feet, not to step over yourself or trip yourself, cross your feet. Um, and, and you're doing it blind because you're keeping your eyes on the target, not looking down at the ground. So with your knees bent, you're better able to absorb unexpected tripping hazards. And uh, one, one last thing when talking about this type of training, uh, the importance of mental alertness and, um, I guess the, the ability to train on that and, and basically be able to, you know, conduct yourself when you're in that sort of situation um, with, without letting it get the best of you, what's the best way to mentally prepare for uh, these types of um, confrontations? To do the what if ceremony, the um, scenarios in your head. So interestingly, I have a friend of mine who believes that I cause myself undue stress because I remain alert. Uh, even off duty in places of relaxation. We go to the local cigar bar and I'm still not sitting with my back to the front door. I'm, I've got, I, I can see the bulk of the room, if not the whole room. I know where my exits are. I know where threats may come from. That awareness. Um, and, and then what would I do? If the threat came in the front door, what would I do? Um, where are the other people involved in this situation? And that's an off duty situation. On duty, you should always be alert and aware. Uh, the unexpected, unfortunately, can never be expected. So we have to sort of just maintain that awareness and try to, uh, it's, it's a mental calm that comes from being aware of the circumstances of your surroundings. So as, as I said, my friend said, I stress myself all the time. To his point, I said, no, you're, it's exactly the other way around. If I sat with my back to the door, you perceive that as relaxed. That would drive me out of my mind because I don't know what's coming in the door behind me. And that lack of awareness stresses me. So it, playing the what if scenarios in your head, if you're on patrol, you know, of a given area, what would you do if this happened? What if that happened? What if somebody did this here? Uh, you know, you're on your way to a, a traffic accident. You know, what are you going to do if one of those people is irate out of control and you end up having to arrest somebody? What if there are five people in a car you pull over instead of one person in the car? The constant what ifs and planning um, helps you maintain a level of alertness and preparedness 
the more you are prepared, the less you are surprised. And that surprise is really what can get people hurt or killed if we're not prepared in any way to deal with it. We have to, we have to try to stay on our game. I don't know a better way to say it, Paul. Great, Frank. I, I think you said it very well, Frank. And to close out this episode of the uh, Officer Roll Call podcast, could you talk to us about you know, a scenario that you found yourself in um, during your career where you experienced close quarters contact or, or even during training um, and, and how, you know, you guys prepared for that? You know, in training, we, we always we had to uh, practice the person we're arresting resisting arrest. Um, and like I said, most often we're taught it happens with that first contact. So we tried to make our first contact the, the first handcuff going on the wrist. Um, I'm right-handed wrist there. The handcuffs are going on their left wrist first. And then I'm trying to get that right one on as fast as I can. But if they start resisting, then there was some training on how to use handcuffs as a control tool. Um, ASP does a wonderful job of this again with their control techniques and their, and their handcuffing techniques. But, um, you know, as for real world scenarios, I can't tell you how many times, you know, you're on the street, uh, you've got somebody, if you're going to affect the arrest, you handcuff first and search second. Um, when I first started out, that wasn't always necessarily pushed that hard. We did what's called a Terry stop and frisk and you know, Terry stop, you're, you're checking for weapons. Um, and when you get that first contact with somebody, they're not handcuffed, they're not under arrest, you've got the probable cause reasonable suspicion to go ahead and do the Terry frisk to search them for weapons um, and you touch them and that just sets them off. And the next thing you know, you're, you're within arm's length, obviously, and you're in a fight. Um, it may be uh, they're up against a wall or they're on your cruiser or whatever, but now you're in this essentially this space that's limited to whatever's between you and that object that, that they're in between. Um, so you have to make space or you have to be able to emerge victorious from that fight within that three or four foot space that's allotted. Um, and something we need really, really need to remember is that we don't want to ever just survive. Surviving is always good. We don't ever want to not survive, but, but that shouldn't be our goal. Emerging victorious has to be our goal. Um, and that's what we need to train for. And I think too many of us train just to survive and, and not to come out of it victorious. And I, I think we need to change that focus a little bit. Hey, great. Thanks, Frank. And um, yeah, I think that that's about it. Um, is there anything you wanted to add that we may not have touched on for the listeners? You know, I, I think this is a good segment, Paul. I think it's very important. I would encourage everybody to read Lindsay Burdeman's piece, um, Get Off Me. It's that, you know, up close and personal discussion of combat. When we say combat, it's conflict. It's anything where the person's trying to do you physical harm and when they're within arm's reach. And that's a whole different fight than the person who's trying to do you harm and they're 25 yards away. Um, I would encourage everybody to read that piece from Lindsay. Obviously it's available online. It's in our August issue. Uh, and look at some of his other pieces about up close uh, combat and training. Seek out the people that have done it and, and learn from their experiences. I don't think we can emphasize this enough, but I think it's a good segment. They need to do some reading. Great, Frank. And if any of our listeners um, want to contact us with uh, any questions, any ideas for the future, you can reach out to us at editors at officer.com. That's editors at officer.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.